to those kids fall from it. They finally this introduction when we went back to the American school. They converted. Most of what we do in study is not to the same. I'm going to do it. And again, where do you go to the same thing? In terms of how I use it. So you want to talk
Society is turning more and more society consciously and consciously. 
Thank you. 
My fourth point, I've just entitled something shocking. I want to share something that I find shocking in this passage. So let's go back to our passage, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 5, specifically verse 5. Let me read to you verse 1 to 5 out of the NIV. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now here's the part that I've underlined. Having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with such people. It's interesting concerning the people in verse 2 who are practicing all these sins which, are, which Paul goes into right down into verse 4. What he says about these people in verse 5 is something that it doesn't shock me anymore, but it is shocking if you begin to understand it. And he says this in the Amplified Version, having holding to a form of outward godliness religion. Although they have denied its power for their conduct nullifies their claim of faith. Avoid such people and keep far away from them. He's given us this list. And then he says that these people have a form of godliness. Now remember the last days are going to have terrible and violent times because of people's self-centeredness. And he goes through and lists this all this list of sin that is going to be a cause for this meltdown of society that we are going to be going into in the last seven years, the Dan, Daniel's last seven years. These people, Paul says, he's writing to people in the church. He's not using any other word to describe any other religion but Christian. These are the imposters. These are people... In the Christian world, these are people that profess to be Christian, but they deny God the right to change them. And if you remember back in my sermon, I spoke to you about the staircase to Satan. The first one is formalism, denying God the right to change them. And this leads to materialism and eventually to rationalism where they just rip apart the principles of God's word. What is the power they deny? It is the power to change their lives. It is the power to rid themselves of corruption. You know, I see them talking in their gossip circles, in their slander circles, holding on to crippling strongholds of sin, not practicing God's word, disobedient to parents, all these sins, self, uh, lack of self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good. All the while introducing themselves as Christian, but denying the power 
to change. You see, today you can join a church, you can say a prayer, you can speak publicly about Jesus, become a good upstanding member and remain the same. Never changing. Always denying God the right to change you. Let me tell you something. If you ever actually meet Jesus, you will be changed. If you really meet Jesus, you cannot be the same. You can become religious. You can join a church. You don't have to be changed. But if you really meet Jesus, you're going to change. And these people deny God the right to change them. And they have already started down their descent on the staircase to hell. This is the reason all kinds of stuff is taking place within the church today. Let me give you an example in the Roman Catholic Church. A few examples. The last couple of decades, we've seen the pedophile priest rings being exposed. And they have a deliberate program to hide these pedophiles. Instead of grabbing them by the collar, throwing them into the police station and saying, here's a pedophile, they transfer them to another, another diocese. Another example, within their canon and decrees, they've got some unbiblical statements. For example, canon number nine coming out of the Council of Trent. This is what it says. If anyone says that the sinner is justified by faith alone, meaning that nothing else is required to to cooperate in order to obtain the grace of justification, and that it is not in any way necessary that he be prepared and disposed by the action of his own will, let him be anathema. Let me read that for you again. And... I want you to let it just sink in a little. If anyone says that the sinner is justified by faith alone, let him be anathema. If anyone says that the sinner is justified by faith alone, meaning that nothing else is required to cooperate in order to obtain the grace of justification, and that it is not in any way necessary that he be prepared and disposed of, disposed by the action of his own will, let him be anathema. Rome says, if you believe Jesus in Jesus Christ, and you believe that Jesus Christ alone justified you, you are cursed and consigned to hell. In this church, the anathema is a major formal excommunication process that was drawn up by Pope Zachary between 741 and 52 AD. The shocking thing about this is that in the canons and decrees of the Roman church, there are over 100 curses against those who believe salvation comes through faith in Christ alone. Canon number 24. If anyone says that the justice received is not preserved and also not increased before God through good works, but that these works are merely the fruits and signs of justification obtained, but not the cause of its increase, let him be anathema. Rome says that if you believe the good works you have done once you are saved are simply the fruits of your salvation, you are cursed and on your way to hell. And I haven't even gone into the latest Pope's encyclicals concerning the Green Movement. 
The Protestant, liberal and evangelical branches of the church are not any better in any way, shape or form. Caving in to the LGBT community with regards to homosexual clergy and, the, and, and gay marriage. Stepping into all kinds of new age philosophy and disguising it as biblical. The Pentecostal and charismatic churches, the Lord knows how many doctrines of demons are rife within them. I mean, we can't even spread the gospel with confidence and integrity because of these money preachers. Unchanged leaders, wolves and hirelings. Unchanged members, Laodiceans wanting a cheap gospel and Gathering together wolves and hirelings to teach them. Unchanged. They deny the power of God to change them. And this is the lie. They don't change. And without Christ, you can and will buy into Satan's great lie coming out of Genesis chapter 3 verse 4 to 5. You will certainly not die. Your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. And you can have it all without bowing the knee to Jesus Christ. And the shocking thing is, having a form of godliness but denying his power, have nothing to do with such people. I'm going to be talking about how you deal with these people at the end of the sermon. But let me tell you this. If you really meet the real Jesus, not this Gnostic Jesus that they're promoting. If you meet the real Jesus, you will be changed. So we've learned to pray, think, act and prepare within God's will and eternal plan. We've learned about the two principles of corruption. We've learned to begin to look and recognize and try and find signs of the tipping point and understand that once we start to recognize them and we start to hear from God with regards to the tipping point, the tipping point has been bypassed already. And now we've seen that these people that I've been talking about throughout the sermon are actually in the church. Let's move on to my last point with regards to these type of people. The danger for them is not inheriting the kingdom. Paul writes about this three times. The first time is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 to 11. I'll read it to you out of the Amplified Version. Verse 9. <clears throat> Excuse me. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Now here he goes on and articulates a very similar list of sins. Neither the sexually immoral idolaters, adulterers, effeminate by perversion, nor those who practice in homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkenness, nor revelers whose words are used as weapons to abuse, insult, humiliate, intimidate, or slander, nor swindlers will inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God. And such were some of you before you believed, but you were washed by the atoning sacrifice of Christ. You were sanctified, set apart for God and made holy. You were justified, declared free of guilt in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit of our God, the source of the believer's new life and changed behavior. 
effectively for believing in the justification by faith, I'm cursed and sent to hell by the Roman Catholic Church. Do you not know, Paul says, and most Christians do not know, if you practice these sins, if you're in a state of denying God the right to change you while you sit in the pews, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is my personal opinion. No change, no inheritance. It's one thing to be born again and enter the kingdom of God. It's another thing to inherit the kingdom of God. Discipleship. This letter is to the Corinthian church. It's to Christians. And you're going to have a lot of people who will enter and not inherit because these are the categories of the unrighteous. They stay in, these, they stay in this state because they have preachers that are not preaching against their state. As we go into the series, you're going to hear me use the words most regarding the church often. For example, most of the church is going to fall away. They are going to be led by these wolves who will lead them to the false prophet. And the false prophet will lead them to bow before the Antichrist and worship Satan. Most of the church will do that. They have entered but will not inherit. They deny God the right to change them. Remember the satanic staircase. Galatians chapter 5, 19 to 21. Now the practices of the sinful nature are clearly evident. They are sexually, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, total irresponsibility and lack of self-control. Verse 20. Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions that promote heresies, envy, drunkenness, righteous behavior and other things like this. I warned you beforehand, just as I did previously... That those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Ephesians chapter 5, 3-7, Amplified Version. But sexual immorality and all moral impurity, indecent offensive behavior or greed, must not even be hinted at among you, as is proper among saints. For as believers, our way of life, whether in public or in private, reflects the validity of our faith. Let there be no filthiness or silly talk or coarse, obscene or vulgar joking because such things are not appropriate for believers. But instead, speak of your thankfulness to God. For be sure of this, no immoral, impure or greedy person, for that one is in effect an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. For such a person places a higher value on something other than God. Verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments that encourage you to sin. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience, those who habitually sin. So do not participate or even associate with them in their rebellious, uh, rebelliousness of sin. Again, pay attention to not being deceived with people who have empty arguments that encourage people to stay unchanged in the church. It is dangerous. It is the thing that is leading to the bad times. It is the thing that is leading to the tipping point. Three times, Paul says, such a person cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You know, standards in the church have changed. 
But standards with God have not changed. Be very, very careful of people who change labels. Changing labels does not change the act. I'm going to give you a social example and I'm going to give you a theological example. People in the church need to again understand that those that practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And if leaders come along and try and change the names of these things to suit itchy ears, it does not change the act and the consequence of the act. You need to beware of the subtle, satanic, socialistic, communistic trick of changing names. They'll start to change names of places. They'll start to change names of job descriptions. And then eventually they'll start to change names of behavior. Just by changing the behavior's name does not change the behavior. Fornication is now premarital sex. It's still fornication. Killing a baby in the womb is now a pro-choice act and aborting the fetus. It is still killing the baby in the womb. Changing the name of the behavior or act does not change the nature of the act. Sin is sin. No matter how you try and disguise it or medicate it, it is still sin. Let me give you my first example, aborting a fetus. <coughs> Excuse me. The murder of babies is now aborting a fetus. A baby is probably one of the ultimate expressions of God's love, and even the unsafe people know this. I mean, how many of you have ever heard of a woman having a fetus shower? If a couple has a child, and God forbid the child has got some terminal illness, but something from the parents could save that child, but it will cost them their life. I will guarantee you most parents will sacrifice themselves for the life of that child. God created that kind of love in us in order to teach us how much he loved us. He gave his son who gave up his life so that we could live. Israel went too far when they began to sacrifice their babies to the demons, to Molech and other gods. Today in abortion clinics, and we've seen this lately in America in the Planned Parenthood debacle that is going on right now, where they are aborting babies, murdering babies, they are now trying to abort the baby in such a way that they keep the baby, the little baby's body intact as much as possible so that they can cut open that little baby's body and harvest its organs and send the organs, sell the organs to research facilities that will research and help us with uh, cures for various diseases. Let me tell you something personally. If I'm dying and you have to go and abort and murder a baby so that you can use its parts to save my life, let me rather die. You can take all the clinical reasons for abortions and put them together, ectopic pregnancies, cancer, etc., etc., and it will, you will find that these would be a minuscule percentage of the abortions performed in Western nations. Most of the abortions performed in Western nations are for non-therapeutic reasons. So they are for social and economic reasons. Jesus calls that mammon worship. That's materialism. It's idolatry. 
Now, for me, just saying this in our socialistic, soon-to-be satanically worshipping society, I am now making war on women. Make no mistake about it. Non-therapeutic abortion is theologically and spiritually related to demon worship. And God is going to, God judged Israel for it. And God is going to judge our nation for it as well. When someone takes the ultimate emblems of God's love and sacrifices them to demons. That's where God draws the line. That's where you've crossed the tipping point. I want you to watch this DVD clip about uh, that I found about them using baby's blood to enhance uh, skin care. Have a watch. You can change the terms, but in God's eyes, it's still murder. It's a tipping point. Be careful when people start to change the terms. My second example is when People in the church begin to collaborate with the world, which leads to the apostasy within the church and the world getting darker. Here is another tipping point, and it relates to the canons of canon number 9 and canon number 24 as well. On the 12th of November 1876, Charles Spurgeon preached this, and he said this, You Protestants who are today flinging away your liberties as dirt cheap will one day rue the day you allowed the old chains to be fettered upon your wrists. Popery fettered and slew our sires, and yet we are making it a national religion. Have a look at this video clip of the Pope meeting with prominent charismatic leaders today. Excuse me. In Proverbs chapter 5 verse 10 it says, And strangers will be filled with your strength, and your hard-earned wealth will go to the house of a foreigner who does not know God. In the Old Testament, King Hezekiah showed his treasure to the king of Babylon. We read that in 2 Kings chapter 20. Today Babylon is rising. (coughs) Excuse me. The false religion and the false financial system which will be led by the Antichrist in the first three and a half years, and its purpose is to basically assist the rise to power of the the beast, the, the Antichrist. They want the treasures of the house of the Lord. When you find evangelicals and Pentecostals and charismatics starting to become ecumenical, Getting into bed with the Pope. You're also getting into bed with the Dalai Lama. You're getting into bed with the Muslims. You're getting into bed with all these people of false religions. You are showing your treasure to the king of Babylon. And he will come and plunder. So what happened before the Babylonian captivity and what caused it in Israel? Well, here are some tipping points. They sacrificed their babies. They showed their treasure to the king of Babylon. And they followed the false prophets instead of listening to the true ones. Thinking that God wants them to be rich and that is a sign of God's blessing. We are rich, we've made it. God's blessing us. These are the same things, similar things that are happening today. 
let me begin to wrap this up now. How do you actually deal with such people? If you're dealing with them in this age, the age of the Gentiles, you have to remember that you are speaking to people who have a form of godliness. These are imposters. These people carry the mask of being religious. And they happen to be in the Christian church. So dealing with them in this current age, number one, it's not love to remain silent unless they have walked away and shut you down and don't want you to talk to them. Talk to them. Number two, tell them clearly that their behavior is the doctrine of devils. Number three, call them to repentance. If they respond well, begin to disciple them and get them out of that apostate environment, that false entitled environment. Number five, if they reject your message, have nothing to do with them. Because when we go in transition into the next age, these are the people that are going to hand you over to be persecuted. Now let's finish off by looking at corruption. Corruption is progressive, corruption is irreversible. What does God do about it? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17-21 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he committed us... And committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There is no such thing as patching up the old man. For you to go out and minister to this group of people in the church. There is no such thing as putting band-aids on, this, on, the, on their gangrene. We're going to talk a bit later about dealing with people in the world who are like this. But you are wasting your time if you are trying to get them into a church without change. God produces a new creation. Walking around continuously... With all these issues and behaviors disguised in language and medical categories to be medicated, it's not God's way. God produces a new creation. If you try to redeem society without changing people, you are wasting your time. I mean, I often hear of people wanting to go in and redeem this and that organization. Listen, an organization is an inanimate object it's the people and if the people are not changing that organization will not change our god will not patch up all the old corrupt nature of man he has given us a new nature of jesus christ this causes change in us and to deny this is to deny the power of god to change us and that's where you enter dead religion and that's when you have no inheritance in the kingdom a new creation. We definitely do not become perfect, but we are definitely different. You cannot remain in Christ and remain the same. Derek Prince said God's solution is execution. 
If you are in Christ, your execution took place in Christ on the cross of Calvary. Let me finish off by just summarizing my points. Number one, learn to pray, think, act and prepare with God's will and eternal plan. Number two, there are two principles regarding corruption. It's progressive and it's irreversible. Number three, you need to begin to look for signs of the tipping point, that no point return. And when you start hearing God awakening your spirit with regards to his coming and preparing you, you need to know that the tipping point has already been passed. Number four, you need to know that these people of 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 to 5 are in the church. And number five, there is a great danger of many people being in the church right now. But they are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Next week, I'll be talking about groups of people that Jesus will be judging at his return out of the books of Matthew chapter 24 and 25 so I would suggest you go and read and study those chapters also your homework is to study 2 Peter chapter 3 Isaiah chapter 3 and obviously Matthew 24 and 25 God bless you